Welcome to Quanta Magazine's podcast. Each week we bring you stories about developments in science and mathematics. I'm Susan Vallett. This week, can gut bacteria explain a behavioral mystery that stumped Darwin? Parasites are among nature's most skillful manipulators. Some make their hosts commit reckless acts of irrational self-harm. One parasite drives mice to seek out cats eager to eat them. A species of liver fluke motivates ants to climb blades of grass, exposing them to hungry cows and sheep. Then there's a hairworm that takes over crickets and makes them drown themselves so the worm can access the water it needs to breed. The hosts didn't gain anything by sacrificing themselves, but the parasites fulfill their own agenda, completing their life cycle. Now researchers are beginning to explore whether parasites can spur their hosts to be selfless rather than suicidal. They wonder whether microbes might be responsible for many of the altruistic behaviors that animals show toward their own kind. Altruism may seem easy to justify ethically or strategically, but explaining how it could have evolved and persisted in a survival of the fittest world is surprisingly difficult. It's a problem that has puzzled evolutionary theorists all the way back to Darwin. But altruism becomes less mysterious if microbes in the gut or other tissues encourage their hosts' generosity for their own selfish reasons. Researchers at Tel Aviv University recently developed a mathematical model and related computer simulations that appear to validate this theory. The researchers showed transmissible microbes that promote altruism in their hosts won the survival battle over microbes that did not. When this happened in the simulations, altruism became a stable trait in the host population. The scientists published their research in Nature Communications earlier this year. John Bienenstock is a biologist at McMaster University in Canada, where he directs the Brain Body Institute. Bienenstock says it's a fascinating story because we don't usually think of altruism in terms of the host-microbe relationship, but we shouldn't ignore the possible effects of our microbe population. Even when Darwin was developing his theory that the strongest and fittest are most likely to survive and thrive from generation to generation, he recognized altruism as a challenge. In his book, The Descent of Man, Darwin wrote, It is extremely doubtful whether the offspring of the more sympathetic and benevolent parents would be reared in greater numbers than the children of selfish and treacherous parents. If so, the generous individuals would eventually be crushed by the burden of caring for selfish ones who gave nothing back, and altruism would go extinct. Darwin hypothesized that altruism might survive, however, if individuals' cooperative behaviors gave the group a collective advantage. The entire group's fitness might then improve, enabling it to outcompete other groups with more selfish members. Later, scientists further developed this group selection model of evolution and found powerful advocates like leading naturalist Conrad Lorenz. But in the 1960s, the influential evolutionary theorists John Maynard Smith, George C. Williams, and others dealt a blow to group selection. They demonstrated that altruistic traits were hard to maintain in an evolutionary context. Selfish individuals would still appear spontaneously in altruistic groups. 
they would tend to have more offspring, edging out more generous members of a species and ensuring the survival of selfishness. Biologist William D. Hamilton got around this problem in 1964 by using a strategy that Maynard Smith called kin selection. Hamilton suggested that altruism could persist if the actions of helpful people allowed family members to pass on enough shared genes. That would then compensate if the altruistic individuals had fewer offspring. This principle is laid out in a formula called Hamilton's Rule. The rule states that if the cost to a giver is less than the benefit to a recipient, multiplied by their genetic relatedness, altruism will come to dominate within a population. Hamilton's rule explains why altruistic behavior evolved among famously social insects like ants and bees. Because of quirks of their haplodiploid genetics, Female worker ants and bees share more genes with their sisters than they would with their own offspring, so it makes competitive sense for them to sacrifice their own chance for reproduction to help their colony queen mother produce more sisters. But the relevance to other animals is murkier. Kin selection is one example of what are now called inclusive fitness theories, which have tried to explain altruism since the 1970s. Multi-level selection theories that include forms of group selection have also seen a comeback but remain contentious. Ohad Lewin Epstein is an evolutionary biologist and programmer at Tel Aviv University. He says while there are many explanations for altruism, it's still a mystery. When Lewin Epstein was a student, he took part in research on how cooperation among members of a population can affect the evolution of new traits. The team came to the conclusion that classical explanations of the evolution of cooperation aren't the whole story. They wondered if microbes could manipulate their hosts to encourage them to help others. They focused on a long-debated idea. Can transmissible piggybacking factors encourage altruism? In 2013, scientists created a computer model showing that plasmids, genes that move from one bacterium to another, help spur the evolution of cooperation in bacterial communities. Two years later, another group used an experiment to demonstrate that when bacteria exchange certain plasmids, the plasmids reprogram the recipient bacteria with genetic information that compels them to contribute to the common good. The bacteria secrete proteins that destroy antibiotics in the area, a strategy that protects the entire bacterial community. The results raise the question of whether microbes or parasites that move between complex hosts might drive cooperation as well. The Tel Aviv group created a mathematical model and computer simulation that analyzed interactions among members of a population over hundreds of generations or more. The model assumed that altruistic members suffered some fitness cost when they interacted with others, while the recipients of altruistic acts benefited. Lewin Epstein says the study used a broad definition of altruism with costs to the giver that can range from minor to a high degree of self-sacrifice. The researchers then pitted two types of virtual microbes against each other in the simulation— One microbe promoted altruism in its hosts, while the second did not. In each generation, individuals interacted in ways that allowed both types of microbes to pass from one host to the next. 
Then each individual's microbes were transmitted to its offspring. Over generations, microbes that encouraged altruism in their hosts outcompeted their rivals when both passed from one host to another and then from parent to child. This was true even when the population of pro-altruism microbes was very small at the outset. Pro-altruism microbe recipients were fitter because they'd benefited from another host's generosity. That means they were more likely to produce offspring carrying the same microbe. By the end of the simulation, the host population consisted mostly of individuals carrying the altruism-promoting microbe. In some scenarios, 100% of hosts ended up with the microbe. In those cases, altruistic behavior ruled in the population. A stable level of altruism persisted even when there were selfish hosts in the mix. The mathematical models and simulations also showed that microbe-transmitted altruism ultimately became more stable within a host population than selflessness with genetic origins. Lewin Epstein's colleague Lilak Hadani says previous studies considered altruism only from the perspective of the host. Classical models explain the evolution of altruism only under certain circumstances. But Hadani says this new approach could explain it under wider conditions. University of California Berkeley evolutionary biologist Andrew Moeller says it's worth a closer look. He studies gut microbiomes and says it's not outside the realm of possibility that microbes could promote altruistic behavior. Some studies have explored how microbes might control hosts' brain function and social behavior. For example, scientists recently observed that microbes in a healthy human colon drive intestinal cells to produce the neurotransmitter serotonin, which then circulates in the blood. Serotonin affects intestinal muscle tone. Drugs like Prozac also act on this particular neurotransmitter to relieve symptoms of anxiety and depression. And various animal studies show gut microbes change neural and endocrine function in ways that alter host social interactions. In a 2014 study, researchers in Canada discovered that fruit fly larvae are attracted to airborne chemicals released by bacteria in their guts. The chemicals may draw the larvae toward one another, which could benefit the bacteria by bringing them closer to new potential hosts. This connection between a host's microbiome composition and its resulting behavior is known as the microbiota gut-brain axis. It's possible, though not yet proved, that microbe-produced compounds could influence neural processes that give rise to altruism. The Tel Aviv team's paper in Nature Communications also raises the question of whether altruism-promoting microbes could kick off an evolutionary arms race between microbes and their hosts. It might be in the host's best interest, after all, to resist being manipulated by the microbes. Hodony says such resistance would mean hosts could start to behave less altruistically, keep more resources for themselves, and increase their odds of survival. But she adds that a microbe could respond by finding ways to manipulate hosts, or even by striking a deal with them where both the host and the microbe win. But regardless of which one benefits more, microbes usually have an edge on their hosts in one major area. Microbes produce many more generations in the same period of time, so Hodney says they have an evolutionary advantage. 
If Hodney and Lewin Epstein's theory holds up, it could have a profound impact on how we approach medical treatments that affect gut microbes. If microbes influence social behaviors like altruism, changing our microbial balance by taking antibiotics or probiotics could potentially reshape how we treat one another. What would happen if one group of subjects was given heavy doses of antibiotics and another group was left untreated? Would the treated group act more selfishly than the untreated one because it had fewer microbial manipulators? Early experimental results point to at least some connection between antibiotic use and social behavior. Just this year, McMaster University biologist John Bienenstock reported that mice exposed to low-dose antibiotics before and soon after birth showed lower levels of sociability and higher levels of aggression than mice in a control group. Bienenstock notes that further studies need to be done to confirm causation. It's possible the results could be due to the antibiotics' direct influence on the brain or other effects they may have on development. But Bienenstock says there's a very good chance that this is an effect on the gut bacteria, which are producing materials the brain needs. Bienenstock says when these biological building blocks are in short supply, the brain's normal social programs don't function optimally. In theory, this could give rise to more selfish individuals. Bienenstock and his colleagues have looked at how antibiotic use affects mice's social savvy, but they haven't studied how antibiotics might specifically affect altruistic behaviors. Arnon Lottem, a behavioral ecologist at Tel Aviv University, says one logical step is to create an experiment that assesses whether animals that receive antibiotics show higher or lower levels of helping behaviors. The study could be run on subjects of various ages to determine whether a potential selfishness effect is strongest during certain phases of life. Laudam admits maybe nothing will happen, but he says if the theory is correct, it'll be amazing. Hadani and her colleagues are in the process of testing their theory in the lab by evaluating how antibiotics affect the behavior of social insects. She says they predict that any treatment that dramatically alters the microbiome may lower the tendency toward altruistic behavior. She also speculates that interspecies transmission of microbes, like from dogs to humans, could affect interspecies altruism. If an unseen microbial scheme guides our fundamental decisions about how to relate to others, future findings will add depth and complexity to our understanding of generosity. Bienenstock points out that proving the existence of microbial influences on host behavior could upend basic assumptions about the control we have over our thoughts and actions. Hadani says her research has transformed her idea of free will. For any given behavior, she says she's thinking, is it me or my microbes? This episode was produced by Jeanette Kazmerzak. I'm Susan Vallett. For more on this story, read Elizabeth Svoboda's full article, Can Microbes Encourage Altruism? on our website, quantamagazine.org.